So in electromagnetism, we're dealing with magnets, north and south pole. If it's two north, it opposes. If it's south and north, then um, it cancels out, right? So when you're matching the energy, it's exactly that. There is a negative polarity and there's a positive polarity, but they match in terms of symptomatology, the plant and the person. And when you put it together, it negates it. Hi, welcome to another episode of Shifted Shivra. I'm your host, Shivra Venetti. I'm the sleep consultant for children and adults. I'm also an Akashic healing practitioner, and I'm also a baby science instructor. And today's episode, we'll be talking about what is homeopathy. If you've heard of homeopathic practitioners or homeopaths or the term of homeopathy, and you've kind of come across, you know, these tinctures or these sugar pills, as it's probably quite commonly known as or referenced as, then today's information might be quite beneficial to you. And if you have no idea about what homeopathy is, then you'll still find, I'm sure, this information very, very useful. Uh, homeopathy sort of synchronizes with some of the more vital force um, supportive remedies or therapies that are out there, such as, you know, uh, Chinese, traditional Chinese medicine, Ayurveda, um, and, and also the physical movement ones of, you know, Qigong and yoga. And then we have homeopathy. And it might surprise you to know that homeopathy actually was founded by a German-Austrian gentleman, which Denise will probably tell you a little bit more about in our episode today. Denise today is going to be talking about homeopathy, as I said. Denise's father is a pediatrician, and she, he introduced her to a practitioner that was one of the first homeopathic practitioners uh, based in the Philippines. He had trained in London and came to the Philippines, and that was her first exposure to homeopathy. And since then, Denise has been working with homeopathy. She and her father have set up their own practice in the Philippines. Her father has been practicing for almost uh, over 50 years. And um, they've been working with things like neurofeedback, you know, brain enhancement, and have, they have some wonderful programs based in the Philippines. But I think the beauty about homeopathy is, Denise probably describes it in the interview, is that it can be done virtually uh, because it is such a, it's, it's based on targeting the symptoms that a person is presenting and then seeing how we can address each symptom one by one. So it's a very great uh, alternative, it's a great therapy that sort of supports maybe, um, you know, a medical condition that someone is going through. But if you tune into the episode, you'll hear a little bit more about it from Denise herself. So I think let's go straight to the episode. And I hope you enjoyed today's content. If you do, please do like it, comment, share it for sure. Subscribe to our channels. We really, really appreciate it. And if you have any ideas of what other topics we should be finding out about, talking to people about, please write to us. We've left our email address in the comments below. And of course, if you ever want to get in touch with us, we've also left our contact details in the show notes below. And for now, I hope you enjoy this episode and thank you for watching Shift with Shubra with me, Shubra Venetti. Welcome to the episode of Shift with Shubra today. I'm your host, Shubra Venetti, and today we have Denise Seldron. Denise is a homeopath based in the Philippines. So welcome, Denise, to Shift with Shubra. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Nice to be here. Yeah, and I just, um, I mean, 
being a child from i don't know i think you ask any indian child they will always say that their parents had you know drawers stuffed with homeopathy pills and then you know i used to think that this was an indian based uh, medicinal practice because i only notice indian parents having it or grandparents but clearly it's not actually from india mm. uh, so i was wondering if you can give uh one two this is a two part question if you could give our listeners a little bit of an intro about one how did you find homeopathy and maybe to explain to them what exactly is homeopathy and where did it actually come from because it's not from india for sure <laughs> okay i was introduced to it about 7 years ago because my mom had hydrocephalus and my father is a medical doctor he's a pediatrician but he didn't want my mom to go into surgery right away because you know once you um tinker with that part of the brain you know it can cause some side effects so somebody introduced us to a homeopathic doctor that was recently arrived from london he's filipino but he was practicing in london and he saw my mom and in 3 days my mom was up and walking around you know from being semi paralyzed my dad and i were like well, you know what's this sorcery what's this witchcraft that we just witnessed So I studied with I was so interested in it because I had also been into wellness since 2000 and I studied with Dr. Picho that was that's his name and then I went on to uh, I'm taking my certification now in the states uh, online So what homeopathy is it's almost 233 years old it was started by a German Austrian doctor called Dr. Samuel Hahnemann and he based his works on uh hippocrates paracelsus galen all the forefathers of what we call modern medicine now what he did was that time medicine was so crude because they were using tinctures made out of poison of mercury of belladonna that was the medicine at that time in and they would be able to cure the disease but they would still poison the patient so it's similar today if you're taking the wrong pharmaceutical medication you could essentially poison yourself you can't just take it without a doctor's prescription so he refined the way that it was being prescribed by diluting and succussing it meaning if you had a tincture that was still causing poison symptoms although it was getting rid of the of what you were um sick of he diluted it to a point where you cannot even detect the active ingredient anymore So that's why um there is there are some people that say homeopathy is quackery because if you analyze the medicine you will not find any active ingredient there. So what Hahnemann has done is he extracted the vibration of the active ingredient. So homeopathy goes into the realm of nano and quantum medicine and wow. physics. Okay so that's sort of where a lot of people go oh, no this is something that i cannot see so therefore it doesn't exist Exactly exactly but that's changing a lot now it's okay. changing a lot So when you say tinctures do you mean these are basically uh this is liquid yeah um and it's basically extracted what is it extracted uh, is extracted elements uh extracted um you know chemical you know from the chemistry elements chart that's kind of what i'm sort of all of the above all of the above it starts with a tincture and that can be plant material and usually poisons because in homeopathy it's the principle of like cures like if a poison substance uh, exhibits a certain pattern of uh, uh, symptoms like for example if i take belladonna 
that's deadly nightshade, I will first get inflamed, then I will get a high fever, then I will get seizures, and then I'll die. So in the principle of like cures like, which is the basis of homeopathy, you can use belladonna for anyone that has early inflammation, high fever, and seizures to prevent death. So you match the poison symptoms with the symptoms in the sick person. So from that theory, there are 80% of homeopathic remedies are made out of plants and mostly poisons, you know, datura, stramonium, conium, which is hemlock, you know, uh, Shakespeare used all of these poisons in his plays. So 80%, there's also calendula, non-poisonous plants, that's for wounds, arnica, aconite. Uh, I would say about 10%, 10 to 15% would be elements. Half the table is a homeopathic remedy, although we only use about 20. A lot of chemical combinations like baking soda and borax and caustic soda and potassium nitrate and all of these are all also homeopathic remedies. And I would say about 5% would be animal poisons or animal remedies like snake venom, dog's milk, cow's milk, um, squid ink. So that, and then I would put 3% at what they call imponderables because it's energy. They've been able to make remedies out of EMF, out of 5G, out of X-rays, you know, out of all of these um, uh, vibrations that we have now that are causing some illnesses, you know, that we can't see, especially like in, in different kinds of waves that we didn't have before. So it's, it's a lot more than just sugar pills, which a lot of people just think that they Yes, yes, yes. The sugar pills are the sugar pills are able to contain the vibration because vibration is held by a crystal structure. So a crystal structure, I mean, we know crystals can conduct vibration like quartz, you know, that's how a quartz watch runs. So when Hahnemann extracted the vibration and how he did this was from a tincture, let's say there's a poison tincture of belladonna, he would get one drop of belladonna, 99 drops of water, pound it 100 times. So what he's doing is he's breaking up the, the um, electrons of the, of the active ingredients. He's breaking it down into a particle. So now we know that electrons are no longer the smallest unit in physics. The smallest unit is particles like Higgs boson particle um, and so on. So every time that he dilutes it and pounds it, he puts kinetic energy into the bond, into the electron bond, by, and that kinetic energy breaks it into particles. Mm. So that's how these in, active ingredients like belladonna, the active ing ingredient is atropine, and that's what um, ophthalmologists put in your eye to dilate it when they want to look into your eye. I don't know if you've ever had it done. So what it's doing is it's breaking down the atropine into a wave of vibration. And in order to hold that wave by vibration, you have to put it in sugar, water, or alcohol, because they're all crystal structures. And then that's how you carry the vibration around. So that sugar is carrier for the vibration. Okay, so this is going to be a little bit maybe over some people's heads a <laughs> bit, and fair enough. But um, in terms of maybe... Because maybe we can explain, as you said, because the administration of homeopathy, I know it to be sugar pills. Is it only sugar pills or are there droplets? So what are the other types of like therapies or, you know, like um, applications for homeopathy? How do you administer the therapy? Sugar pills is the most popular. Uh, I, I like to use water and alcohol-based um, remedies because 
alcohol-based remedies, you can still, you can tap it and, and infuse more energy before taking it. And number two is you can replicate it. Like if you had an alcohol remedy, you can make another copy of it by pouring it into another bottle, adding water, and then you have an exact copy of it. So it's actually, um, you can graft it indefinitely. You can make a hundred copies from just one little bottle. Okay, so this, so you said alcohol, then there's water-based, so it mm -hmm. would be putting something in, the, putting the droplets into water, for example, and then taking it, and then the- Or putting the sugar pill into water, you can do that too. Ah, right, okay. And um, I remember when I was in Germany at one point, and I went to a homeopath to pick up something because we were having some throat thing, and that was the next, the closest thing around. So we were like, oh, okay, we'll just take that. She was very specific about saying that you shouldn't let the sugar pills touch metal, it should be on a plastic. Is there a reason for this? Well, because it's vibration and other things also hold vibration. So it's very sensitive and metal is an element. It's steel, iron. So it also holds its own vibration. So I think what she meant was also it's very sensitive to dirt. Like if you, your hands were dirty, if the spoon was dirty. Yeah. Well, plastic and glass would be also the best way to hold the remedy because metal's vibration is very strong. People's religions are quite, you know, some, some religious practices or beliefs are quite staunchly against alcohol, for example, consumption of alcohol. Um, now, I know that there are certain medications that have some percentage of alcohol already in Western medication. Um, but would, would the alcohol be a cause for concern or is it a very, very low dosage or percentage of alcohol that's being administered? Like, is there going to be an effect on the liver later? Well, alcohol is really the medium that the vibration is carried in. And because alcohol doesn't spoil. So if the remedies were kept in water, water would eventually grow microorganisms. So a lot of these remedies are 200 plus years old and alcohol is the only thing that's able to preserve them that long. And also if you travel, if you go around, and you bringing around um, water remedies, it's going to eventually spoil. So sugar and alcohol, I'd say, are the um, two mediums that last a long time without spoiling or growing microorganisms. Okay, and because um, I think it's also uh, important to mention that alcohol is pretty much used in all Western medication as well, right? Mm -hmm. Like in in otherwise people might just think, oh, it's only in this. No, I, I'm, it's, it's in every medication that you usually see even in, in Western medication. It's probably the safest thing in Western medication. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, the, it, it's commonly used. And I think um, maybe this is maybe a good time to ask then in terms of women, because I deal with usually, so I, I'm a sleep consultant and I work with, you know, oh. primarily babies and I work with adults. Uh, so a lot of my, my uh, client base is around, you know, pregnant women or, you know, mothers, new mothers and things like that. And You're a sleep consultant as in sleep? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, was, that's so awesome. Yeah. So, um, so a, a lot of concerns are usually, especially with babies and with pregnant mothers, that we have to be really careful about what we can administer. And usually mums, you know, when we're pregnant, there's like, you know, acid reflux, there's water retention, there's all of, you know, mood imbalance, exhaustion. Could homeopathy, is homeopathy safe enough for uh, pregnant women or, you know, just women who have just given birth? Is it safe for babies? Like, what, are there any limitations on its usage and age and person? Absolutely safe. 
Mm. Vibration. So the mothers and the babies are not getting any chemical compounds in them that they can't, their livers can't process. So it's safer than anything out there made out of pet petrochemicals, you know, like medicine made out of petrochemicals. Number two, there's remedies for um, postpartum depression. There's remedies for morning sickness. There's remedies for colic. There's remedies for teething. There's, all, there's even remedies for giving birth. There's all kinds of remedies, especially for women and babies. So it's just the potency. Always look for a potency that is around uh, 3CH, 6CH, 30CH. So when, we sing, when we're talking about potency, we're talking about how many times a remedy was diluted and pounded. If it's a 6CH, that means it was diluted six times and pounded only 600 times. So it's not as strong as a 200CH. So give a low potency for pregnant women and children. That's... And, and is it, but if they were to take something that's very high potency, is there an issue with that or? None at all, as long as they don't take it often. Like if they take a 200 CH, just once a day, once every other day. Um, another thing is in any emergency, like for example, it's a life and death emergency. They have a uh, hemorrhage, they fell, they were, they're bitten by a poisonous snake then always give the highest potency you have. So even a baby, if it was bitten by a snake, give 200 CH if you had it. If you didn't, give whatever you have. But very high potencies are recommended for extreme emergencies. Uh, number two is if you give a high potency often, the only thing that can happen is what we call approving. Approving means you're well, and then uh, I'll, I'll give you an example of approving in pharmaceutical terms so you can understand. If I was well and I started taking antibiotics, I would eventually start to react to the antibiotics because it, there was no, um, there are no uh, bacteria in me to kill. So I would get the runs, I would um, develop some reaction to the antibiotics. So I am proving the antibiotics that I didn't need. In homeopathy, if I didn't need the remedy, I would start proving it as well. But what's nice about homeopathy is because it's energetic, even if I had the runs by taking, let's say, Arsalb and I didn't need it, the minute I stop Arsalb, there is no long-term effect on my body because there is no actual chemical compound that entered my body that my liver or my kidneys need to process. So it's still safe. The minute you stop the remedy, the proving symptoms go away. And sometimes you're even healthier. Like for now, I use a lot of homeopathic prophylaxis for the pandemic. Yeah. So what I'm doing is I'm just stimulating the, the vital force and the immune system a little bit every day without causing a proving. So it's just one dose a day enough to stimulate them that if they were exposed, their immune system is already uh, ready, but not enough doses in order for them to get um, symptoms from it because they didn't need it. So I'm not sure if this, <laughs> you know, homeopath homeopathy is actually a very exact science. It's a science and an art. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then would, by, by that in point, you know, that is safe enough for babies and for, uh, for pregnant w women, is it safe for animals? Because I have heard of, you know, people administering homeopathy to animals, to their fur friends. 
is that something that is uh, okay as well for them? Absolutely. And this is where we realize that homeopathy is not a placebo effect. Because some people, they dismiss homeopathy. Oh, it's a placebo effect, you know, because you're thinking you're going to get better, you're going to get better, but there's nothing but sugar in those pills. An animal has no such thing as placebo effect. So you can give a remedy to an animal and it will treat the symptoms, you know, you will resolve some of the symptoms. And likewise, you can also definitely use it for plants. Silica is one of the top remedies for wilting plants. You know, there's so many remedies you can actually use also for plants as well. So anything that will react to, that has a vital force, because another principle of homeopathy is about the vital force, similar to Ayurveda, similar to tra traditional Chinese medicine. It's all about the vital force. If you have a vital force, then homeopathy can definitely help you with that. And if so, maybe now let's probably come to the discussion point about when someone should go for homeopathy. Because um, is there like, I mean, I could ask this open-ended question, like what can homeopathy treat? And I think you could give me a gazillion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yes. any limitation on what homeopathy cannot treat or when would someone consider homeopathy uh, over Western medication or when should they consider Western medication over homeopathy? Okay, to answer that question, homeopathy is not really a medicine. What it is, it's a vitality therapy because it's vibration, it works on your vital force and almost everything across the board can be helped by increasing your vital force. Just like in traditional Chinese medicine, no matter what, acupuncture can help all conditions by clearing your meridians. You know, it, it can really definitely help you. So uh, that said, for example, let's say cancer. I would never, I would never say, oh, I'm going to cure your cancer. But what I do take on patients with that because I know I can resolve the nausea, the vomiting, sometimes the cachexia when they're too thin and they're not able to metabolize the food anymore, the sleep issues, some of the pain issues. So, you know, there's always something that can be improved in somebody's vitality, no matter what their condition is. And there are very specific remedies for very specific conditions. Um, using the principle of like cures like, there are some remedies that actually can cause partial paralysis. So you can use those remedies to help with some symptoms of Parkinson's and, and um, uh, MS, but disclaimer here is that experienced homeopaths should be able to, you should consult with an experienced homeopath to treat chronic diseases and not just prescribe over the counter. You know, for acute and emergencies, definitely over the counter, cough, cold, this and that. But when you're going to treat chronic conditions and homeopathy can definitely help with chronic conditions, always consult a homeopath, you know, just to be safe. Is there um, any fear if you do take a homeopathy, let's say, because there are, you know, in some countries, I remember going to the U.S. at one point and noticing in one of like the nature food stores or something that they were selling homeopathy then and there, like, you know, just, just different, different things, Hepar-Sil, Natural-Sil, Natural-Murium, whatever it is, all blah, blah, blah. And if you were to take it, my understanding is that even if you took the pill, if you didn't actually need it, then it wouldn't take effect. Like there's no detrimental effect if you were to take it. No, not at all. If you were to take it and you didn't need it or it didn't work for your condition, there's no detrimental effect. But everyone needs to know that if it's not working, you have to stop. 
because then you would cause a proving to yourself, which is not harmful, as I mentioned. You stop and then those symptoms go away. Like, for example, have you heard of Nux vomica? Yes. So, yeah. Okay, Nux vomica, people take it for constipation and or diarrhea if they overeat spicy food. So if I was taking Nux vomica and I didn't need it, or it was the wrong remedy for me, eventually I would exhibit either constipation or diarrhea because I was proving the remedy. But if I stopped it, all that would go away. You would only find a very small percentage of people that are ultra, ultra sensitive to homeopathy. And these are the people that are ultra sensitive to vibration anyway. You know, they, they're the ones that can feel people and see energy. And those are the ones that are very sensitive to vibration. Right. Okay. So if, um, so then if people had access to just getting homeopathy, should they, or would it be better to always go to a homeopath, uh, like an experienced homeopath? Well, for treating emergencies and, and acutes, I think anyone can do it at home. And I teach courses on that. Uh, on Zoom. So I teach them how to choose remedies that they can find in Whole Foods or they can order online or I can provide it for them. How to treat emergencies, how to treat acutes. If you're, they're going to treat chronic conditions, then I advise them to take my more advanced courses because I have from beginners all the way to treating chronic cases. You know, how to take a, how to take a case, uh, how to prescribe, the medical timeline, and so on and so forth. But anyone, even with just YouTube or Dr. Google, can treat acutes and emergencies. So how would you diagnose if you're, you know, for example, you're working with my father right now, and we're based in Singapore, and you're based in the Philippines. So how do, how do homeopaths technically diagnose that, especially if you're not going to be face-to-face? -face? Well, actually, homeopathy is perfect for Zoom. Because number one, we don't go by the name of the disease. Like your father has something, let's say, in his, in his hand. We don't label it psoriasis, eczema, um, contact dermatitis. We base it solely on the symptoms that are presenting itself. Dry skin, uh, let's say, for example, worse when I wash my hands, uh, worse when I go out in the sun. So we take down all those symptoms and we match it to a remedy that has dry skin, worse when washing, uh, worse when under the sun, which is, let's say, sulfur. Mm. So we, we very rarely go by what the ailment is called. We always go by the symptoms. Mm, okay. So it's really when you say life for life, it's like if, um, maybe if I can give an analogy for it, it's something like mm -hmm. if there's a lot of something that's imbalanced in the system, you're trying to balance it out by putting the same substance into the system. So then it, it negates. Yeah essentially is that the concept it's exactly that and the perfect example would be onion if i chop an onion what would i experience teary eyes red eyes sneezing so a homeopathic onion is the perfect match for the common cold and rhinitis when you have teary eyes you're sneezing and you're you're tearing and when you're saying that negate that concept of negation one of the scientific principles in homeopathy is electromagnetism, right? So in electromagnetism, we're dealing with magnets, north and south pole. If it's two norths, it opposes. If it's south and north, then um, it cancels out, right? So when you're matching the energy, it's exactly that. There is a negative polarity and there's a positive polarity, but they match in terms of symptomatology. The plant 
and the person. And when you put it together, it negates it. So that's a, you hit it right on the head, <laughs> how it works. I'm glad that I understood it finally. And it's not just as what it was in my head. It was just like really, really diluted down compounds and then administered in sugar. <laughs> that was my only understanding for such a long time. And then in terms of administration, as you said, is it predominantly orally or are there things like vaccinations? Are there creams? Like, are there different ways that it's presented? Oral is the most popular, but you can definitely apply topically the ones for burns, the ones for wounds, the ones for warts. And then there are also just, uh, some people that are extremely sensitive, so they don't ingest it. They apply it, um, let's say, on their head or on their skin. Some people are so sensitive that they just even hold it. You know, taking it orally is too much. They hold the remedies. I'm saying they're very rare, this kind of person. Also, you can find homeopathic creams as long as it's in a base that it um, is not scented because homeopathy is very sensitive to camphor and very strong smells. So you will find arnica cream and calendula cream and all of these creams. Yeah, and there's no such, is there any sort of like vaccination, like intravenous sort of administrations with homeopathy? They do have, it's called homeotoxicology, where they have IV drips of homeopathy. As a classical homeopath, I am appalled. <laughs> <laughs> because it's not, the, it's not the amount that you take. It is the number of doses. If I'm, and it's the number of doses that cause approving. So for me, somebody that's constantly taking a homeopathic remedy through IV in homeotoxicology, is going to get approving or is going to get, there's just so much vibration going into the person. Yeah. Right? So um, I'm not a fan of homeotoxicology using um, intravenous means, but it does, it does exist. It does exist. Okay. But the, as you said, the most popular version that if most people, you know, viewers and listeners are coming in to, uh, you know, hear this episode, most of the time, if they were to go to a homeopath or they do find, you know, look up homeopathy, um, if it isn't like a topical application for a cream, as you said, it is usually sugar pills or something that you administer orally. And uh, yes, yes, definitely told that the sugar pills have to stay on your tongue or, and then melt off. Or is it something that you just swallow like a tablet? A lot of people say that you have to put it under your tongue, but there's no such thing. The minute it touches any mucous membrane, it's already, the vibration is already absorbed. So there's no need for... Um, holding it there for 10 minutes, none of that. But some people uh, feel that they need to as their belief, then that's fine. I don't stop them. <laughs> you know? As long as it's entered your, your mouth and then it's already touched some part of your mouth, yes. it starts yes. it. So even if you just swallowed it, it would, it would yes. be anyway some sort of mucous membrane anyhow. Yes, exactly. Right? Okay. And if you could you know, share any success stories that you've had with homeopathy, maybe um because i know from the common cold to the cough to you know if you've got gas or bloating for example like these are just like symptoms i've had right <laughs> these are like your common like you know hepasif and your natural mirror and your natural self and all these little ones i said to you draw but um have you any had any success stories with bigger bigger issues than just the common cold or anything well right now for the pandemic i'm quite busy <laughs> I've treated maybe more than probably going on a hundred people that have been that have been COVID positive. It's for me personally quite easy to treat because what it is, it's really an assault on the immune system. 
And anytime that you can boost up their vitality, as I said, homeopathy is not a medicine, it's a vitality therapy. So just boosting their immune system and their vitality already helps them resolve um, the condition. So it's like Chinese medicine in a sense that homeopathy does not at, um, target the pathogen. You know, in, in pharmaceutical medicine, they target the pathogen like antiviral, antibiotic, anti-helmetic for worms. In homeopathy, is we target the immune system to be strong to those external pathogens, right? So um, I've had coughs, colds, even difficulty breathing resolved in a couple of days with, with homeopathy. I treat some chron I treat chronic cases. It takes long. Mm. Um, couple of months to even years to reverse autoimmune diseases because autoimmune diseases are a sum total of every suppression and every trauma that you've ever had that's piled up over your vital force. So in homeopathy, we need to release each layer one by one in chronic and autoimmune cases. Mm, right. So it's also important then to note that it's not a quick fix necessarily solution. No, definitely not a quick fix. Um, For emergencies, definitely it's a quick fix because you can resolve um, emergencies within the hour, within two hours. Mm. Chronic always takes long, especially if they're on a lot of medication, then you have to work around the medication also because they can't stop it immediately. You, know, you, have to, you have to work around it. Yeah. And then you said also like with postpartum depression and things like that, it helps support it. Um, yes. And in, in that kind of thing, because obviously postpartum depression is not necessarily a one day thing, right? So postpartum mm -hmm. is not one day thing. It's a few, you know, it can be a few weeks and it can be a few months. And sometimes for some women, it can be years. Mm -hmm. um, and it is, uh, it's a common thing. I mean, I was also on the, on the depression medication when I went through it and things like that. Like it's, it's, you know, it's a commitment to six months and some people it's commitment for a year or so like yeah. that. In terms of that kind of treatment, would it also be expected to have such a long continuous uh, treatment? Uh, it's a slow progress or it really depends? Um, could it be shorter? It really depends on the vitality of the person. So I always look at the vitality of the person. If, it's, um, if the, the person has a history of taking a lot of hormones, such as birth control pills, or maybe they needed hormonal support to get pregnant, and then their family has what we call a miasm, a history of um, certain illnesses in the family, then it can take longer because their vital force is already compromised on so many levels. But if it's what we call an acute depression, they have no history of illness, it's just really they, their hormones were off, then it's faster. So I always have to look at the totality of the case mm. rather than, but you know, for acute, you can always treat acute, um, postpartum. There's many remedies. Lachesis, sepia, pulsatilla, these are the top remedies for acute um, postpartum. But if they've had a history of depression, anxiety, then you know that this is just a trigger, you know, for it to come back. Yeah. And out of curiosity, just because obviously we're going into the mental space, if people if they either themselves or if they knew people, like is there a limit to homeopathy being used for people with sort of like uh, sort of mental intellectual disorders, you know, like multiple personality disorder, narcissistic personality disorder, schizophrenia, bipolarism, um, ADHD, although like we're talking about various different you know, yes. 
but I guess that's nothing compared to maybe that. But could it help in, in those kind of um, situations where there's obviously a lot of things going on with the brain, essentially? Again, I would have to see the totality of the person. And it's much easier if they're not on that much medication. Because what happens is when they're on medication, the natural uh, flow of their neurotransmitters is already altered. So in homeopathy, the vibration tries to look for its um, common vibration, you know, as, as you were saying. But the minute you are taking SSRIs and antidepressive uh, medicines, the homeopathic remedy has difficulty recognizing what is the proper flow of all the neurotransmitters. So it gets tricky mm. there. If you catch it early enough and they're not on medication yet, it's probably easier. Mm. So there's also a process of weaning them from medication, which unless their psychiatrist cooperates, I try not to touch those cases. Right. Okay. Okay. And if it's also special needs, so, you know, maybe uh, um, like autism, Asperger's, autism spectrum disorder, are those, are, can, it, can it support, uh, maybe rather than saying cure, but could it support along as a treatment option in that space? Yes, I don't like to use the word cure. Definitely, because there are remedies for stimming. There are remedies for, like, if it's a gut disorder, there's homeopathic bowel nosodes that can fix the gut. So then again, you have to take the whole case. Uh, a lot of them also have food issues. Mm. You know, they're very picky with the kind of food they eat, behavioral issues. So again, the totality of the case. And that's why for cases like this, I always encourage the mothers to take my course. So that they know, and all the way until course four, where we discuss the mental sphere, because once they know the principles of homeopathy and how to understand a case, they already know what to administer to their own children. And I have a few mothers that I work with, but um, they're doing most of the prescribing already because they understand the principles of homeopathy and they've studied at least 70 remedies that they can use. Right. Okay. Wonderful. Okay. And then I think just finally to end off uh, this wonderful conversation, Denise, if you, what, what would be the shift that you want to create with your craft for the world? Number one is for people to um, lift their own vitality. Really for us to become healthier in a world that's assaulted with so many toxins is we need to keep our vital force at an optimum level. So that's not just homeopathy, but it's really avoiding substances that our body doesn't recognize and cannot metabolize, such as chemicals. And that's found in everything from food, the air we breathe, to the medicines that we take. So it's just really a holistic approach to live as close to nature as nature intended us to, right? And this is the number one teaching of Hippocrates, the father of medicine. He never espoused any of these chemicals that that you know medicine that's going on now mm. yeah okay wonderful well thank you so much Denise for sharing all this wonderful information and uh, if anyone wants to get in touch with Denise or find out more about her courses we'll be putting the links down in the show notes below but uh, yes and then just get in touch with her and then yeah I hope you have a great journey ahead with homeopathy thank you so much Denise and thank you so much I had a good time yeah, thank you again. And you take care and thanks for tuning in.